Hello, this is Shoshana Pupko with the Hava Torah Women's Parshat Shavua Discussion Group for Parshat Va'era. Parshat Va'era opens with the divine revelation to Moshe in which God articulates the four expressions of redemption. They are Ba'at L'Shonot Ke'ula, V'hotzeiti, V'hitzalti, V'ga'alti, V'lakachti. I will take you out, I will rescue you, I will redeem you, and I will take you to me as a people. And with this expectation, Moshe and Aaron went repeatedly to Paro, demanding in the name of God that he let the people go worship in the desert. Paro refused, and God sent the plagues. Blood, frogs, lice, wild animals, a plague killing the domestic animals, boils, and hail. This parsha brings us the first seven plagues. And as I'm sure you remember, in between each one, Paro expressed remorse and pleaded with Moshe to remove the plague, followed by Vayachazek Lev Paro Veloshilach et Bnei Yisrael. Paro hardened his heart and refused to let the people go. With Rabbi Sachs's insight, let's put ourselves in Moshe's shoes as he experienced and navigated the dramatic encounters with Paro and with the Jewish people. At the very end of last week's parsha. Moshe bemoaned to God that his interventions with Paro only increased Paro's abusive decrees. Moshe said, Why, God, have you made it worse for the people? Why did you send me? Since I began to speak in your name, things have only gotten worse. And you, God, have not rescued your people at all. And even though at the beginning of our parsha, God reassures Moshe that he will indeed succeed in his mission to liberate the people, Moshe responded with deep hesitation, asking rhetorically, if the Jewish people won't listen to me, why would Paro? And this uncertainty ebbs and flows throughout Moshe's entire leadership career. At times, he second-guesses himself, the people, and even the mission. And let's remind ourselves that Moshe didn't have the vantage point that we, the reader, have. We can flip to the end of the story and see that it all worked out. But Moshe didn't have this knowledge. And you can imagine the disappointment, or more accurately, the despondency he must have felt after each cycle in which Paro capitulated and then retracted. You can imagine the pressure Moshe must have felt from Bnei Israel, who had suffered enough and were likely losing hope. And you can imagine the feelings of inadequacy that Moshe must have felt ruminating about a situation he had been entrusted to resolve that looked quite hopeless. And Rabbi Sachs writes with sensitivity and compassion, there is an enduring message here. Leadership even of the very highest order, is often marked by failure. Only in retrospect, in hindsight, do the many setbacks reveal themselves as stepping stones on the road to victory. Allow me to share with you a few contemporary examples. Steven Spielberg had to beg his way into school for cinematic arts after being rejected not once, but twice. Dr. Seuss had his first books rejected by 27 different publishers. James Dyson 
failed with over 5,000 prototypes of vacuums before he created the best-selling one. And the Queen's Gambit, which has been viewed by 62 million people, was aired only after producer Alan Scott worked on it for 30 years, which included nine rewrites and consistent rejections with the feedback that no one would be interested in chess. I think many of us relate to the lesson of learning through failure intuitively. And simultaneously, most of us are probably not running to experience this in our day-to-day life. I'd like to try to ease us into learning through failure by adding two important layers. The first is deepening the idea that we need failure to learn that which couldn't and wouldn't be otherwise understood. Failure is a necessary step to success as painful as that process may be. And this idea is eloquently taught in a pasuk in Sefer Mishle written by Shlomo HaMelech. The pasuk reads, Sheva yipol tzadik vakam. Seven times the righteous person falls and gets up. And many understand this pasuk to mean that a tzadik is a person who's able to fall again and again and each time finds the inner strength to get back up. But Rav Yitzchak Hutner Rosh Yeshiva of Yeshiva Chaim Berlin in Brooklyn until his passing in 1980, understood King Solomon's words to mean that the character and nature of a tzaddik is formed by falling again and again. Each fall is a necessary learning step in ultimately becoming a tzaddik. In a well-known letter that Rav Hutner wrote to a former student, He elaborated on this idea in such a grounded, relatable way. The student had reached out to Rav Hutner, lamenting that he was struggling within himself since leaving the cocoon of the yeshiva. Let me read to you a translation of some of Rav Hutner's response. Rav Hutner writes, Your letter reached my hand and your words touched my heart. It is a terrible problem that when we discuss the greatness of our gedolim, We actually deal only with the end of their stories. We tell about their perfection, but we omit any mention of the inner battles which raged in their souls. The impression one gets is that they were created with their full stature. For example, everyone is impressed by the purity of the Chafetz Chaim's speech. However, who knows about all the wars, the battles, the impediments, the downfalls, and the retreats that the Chafetz Chaim experienced in his fight with the evil inclination. The wisest of all men, King Shlomo said, that Tzaddik will fall seven times and will rise. The less educated think that this means even though a Tzaddik falls seven times, he will rise. But the wise know well that the meaning is because a Tzaddik falls seven times, he will rise. If you had written to me of your mitzvot and good deeds, I would have said that it was a good letter. Now that you tell me of your falls and stumbles, I say that I have received a very good letter. And Rav Hutner concludes, sharing in your suffering, confident that you will prevail, praying for, you, for your success, signed, Rav Yitzchak Hutner. Wow. And I feel hopeful for our future when I hear contemporary celebrities echoing similar sentiments. Michael Jordan, 
who, believe it or not, was cut from his high school basketball team, shared this in an interview. I have missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I have lost almost 300 games on 26 occasions. I was entrusted to take the game-winning shot, and I missed. I have failed over and over and over again, and that is why I succeed. And J.K. Rowling's best-selling Harry Potter series was rejected 12 times before being published. In an interview, she said, It is impossible to live without failing at something, unless you live so cautiously that you might as well not have lived at all, in which case you fail by default. And this brings me to the second point. Learning from our failures is is meant to enable the development of our best individual unique selves. It isn't meant to fuel an ambition to become the next J.K. Rowling or Michael Jordan. The naive and distorted message that we sometimes internalize from children's books and movies is that we can be anything we want if we just persevere. And while it sounds inspirational on a surface level, this message can really be destructive if it gets in the way of our embracing our true selves. Whether you live a public life, as did Moshe Rabbeinu, or a more private one, everyone will know failure in some capacity. And Moshe teaches us how to tolerate, navigate, and maybe even one day embrace the blessings of a skin knee.